Are you ready? Welcome to the College Cheer Guide Podcast, preparing the next generation of aspiring collegiate cheerleaders. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the College Cheer Guides Podcast, where college cheers life and we want to talk about it. My name is Mason Uswa. My name is Maddie Uswa. And and you're you're listening listening to to the College Cheer Cheer Guides Podcast. Podcast. First, I want to start off by welcoming back our regular listeners. And for those new to our podcast, I'm excited to have you join us today. In this episode, we have a very special guest joining us who is a leader in the cheerleading and physical therapy community. We have the privilege today to be interviewing Dr. Maria Wiseman, former Ohio State and Team USA cheerleader. As a doctor and athlete, Maria has made a significant impact in the cheerleading world. And by the way, guys, unfortunately, our co-host Lane couldn't join us today, but don't worry, we will make sure to bring him back in our next episode. But for now, let's dive into our conversation with Maria and learn more about her journey and experience in the cheerleading community. So Maria, tell us where you're from, age, and current roles in the cheerleading community. Hi guys, thank you for having me on this podcast. I was super excited to be a part of it. Um, so I'm from Westerville, Ohio, originally. I'm 24 years old. And currently I am a retired cheerleader, but I now spend my time helping um, younger cheerleaders um, improve their cheer skills, mostly through using strength and conditioning services to high school cheerleaders so that they can make a collegiate team or just reach their full potential. So I'm still working very closely with younger cheerleaders, um, but myself, I'm retired. Don't do too many flips anymore. (laughs) So tell us, how did you first get into cheer? So I think I started cheering when I was around six or seven years old. I started gymnastics first, probably when I was like five. And um, I really liked gymnastics, but I really only liked the floor part of it, which Mm -hmm. is mostly cheerleading. And then my sister joined an all-star cheer team. And I remember I went to practice with her and tried it out and then decided that I liked it better. So stuck with it ever since. I did the same thing. I was in gymnastics and I only wanted to do floor. And um, my mom was like, oh, that's it for that. (laughs) Yeah, we got lots of gymnasts here. Okay, so now let's, can you tell us a little more about your transition from athlete to doctor and what are you doing now? Yeah, so the transition, I guess I, I went from athlete student athlete to just a student in physical therapy school. And now I'm transitioning to a doctor because I just graduated from physical therapy school this week, actually. So I guess I'll talk a little bit about my transition from student athlete to just being a student. I feel like that was the hardest transition because you're so used to being really busy as a student athlete, always having a practice to go to or team lifting to go to. And you're also always around your friends. Like you're always at practice with your friends. You're always with a group of people, always doing something to better yourself, but you're also always doing something for the betterment of your team. So you're always doing something that's bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So then once I stopped cheering and graduated from undergrad, it was also during 2020 when other things are happening in the world. So maybe that <laughs> contributed to it a little bit, but I just found myself getting super bored And I started physical therapy school right away, but I just found being just a student was a lot more boring and hard. It was almost harder to concentrate in school because I had nothing else going on. So I quickly realized I needed to do something else with my time to supplement the team atmosphere and camaraderie I had, I guess, with the cheer team Mm -hmm. in undergrad. So it took me about a year to really find myself 
but I ended up joining a CrossFit gym, which was super helpful. Um, they have uh, team workouts kind of like I did as a student athlete. And then I also picked up some jobs here and there. Some of them stuck, some of them didn't, but I just kept trying different things until I found like, uh, I could keep that kind of busy schedule that I had, 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 had as, as a student athlete. <laughs> there you go. And then transition from being a physical therapy student to being a doctor is kind of ongoing right now. So I had a little bit of a taste of the real world when I started my own personal training business last year, which is now transitioning to a physical therapy business now that I have my doctorate. So it's a lot more responsibility than being a student is. And I'm learning more and more every day about what it takes to um, be a doctor and to be somebody who has uh, a lot of influence over the people and the clients that I'm seeing. So you started off as a business major, right? Yeah. So yeah. what made you change your mind to physical therapy? Because that's obviously totally different, but right. you're using <laughs> that business knowledge now. Yeah. So a lot of people think that I had this plan all along that I was going to start my own business because I have a business degree, mm -hmm. but that was never the case. I just went into business finance because that's what my dad did. So I thought, why not? Like, I just didn't mm -hmm. know what else to do. So I just picked kind of a random major in college. I also liked math. So I thought finance, I'd learn a little bit about money. Couldn't yeah. be a bad thing. No, I started off as a finance major yeah. and I switched. Yeah. I feel like it's never a bad idea because you learn about money, which is important. Right no yeah. matter what you do. Mm -hmm. So true. yeah. So I don't regret it. I actually, I still graduated with my business finance degree, even though I did my prerequisites for physical therapy. But I think during my sophomore year is when I started to realize that college wasn't going to last forever. And I needed to start thinking about my future in a different way. And I just could not picture myself doing what my dad did uh, at a desk job. Um, mm -hmm. And my, I just couldn't picture myself doing anything with that degree. So I pivoted and I really didn't have a injury story. A lot of my classmates in physical therapy school had a specific story where they were injured and they went to a physical therapist and they really liked it. And then now that's what they want to do with their career. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a story like that. I just knew that I wanted to do a job that was on my feet and active and I wanted to help people. And I kind of got to see a little bit of what all that entails through seeing what the athletic trainers did for our team and um, just being around active people mm -hmm. with sport. So I was super inter interested in like strength and conditioning, sports, rehab, recovery, and all of that. So with your physical therapy business, are you more gearing towards athletes or are you more open to everybody? Mm -hmm. I'm definitely open to everybody. I created the name everyone should lift because I really enjoy working with people who are afraid to go into the weight room or have never seen the weight room before. Mm -hmm. So my biggest niche is cheerleaders because that's where my expertise is. And that just makes the most sense. I can help them the most. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of cheerleaders for personal training right now. And I anticipate seeing a lot of cheerleaders um, for physical therapy as well. And I, I like that niche because cheerleaders often are either afraid to go into the weight room or have never been in the weight room. I also have an adaptive and inclusive trainer certification. So I work with um, people that have had like spinal cord injuries some paralysis, stroke, things like that. A lot of um, those types of people have also 
never been in a gym or are afraid to be in a gym because the way they move looks different than the way they see everybody else moving under a barbell. So although I do work with a lot of active individuals, I also really enjoy working with people that kind of don't know where to start and then guiding them along the way, whether it's for personal training or physical therapy and teaching them the benefits of weightlifting and what that can do for their health. Yeah. So obviously with that, you're doing great. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I could even back that up. Like female cheerleaders, they don't get in a weight room until college. (laughs) I didn't do that. I don't think I've ever benched a bar, squatted a bar before I came to Ohio State. And it is like one of my favorite things to do in the morning with my team. And I love it. And I think it's benefited me a lot. So, Maria, you have an extensive cheer career. You've done a lot throughout your cheer career. Tell us more about it. And then also, how is your experience cheering at Ohio State? Okay. So, I guess I'll briefly start at the beginning and try to work my way through my cheer career. <laughs> so, I, I already said I started cheering when I was like six or seven years old. I did all-star cheer until sixth grade. And then I quit in sixth grade really just because I wanted more free time. Like I didn't even have a better reason. Um, But after that, I just did middle school and high school cheer. Didn't really take it super seriously. We couldn't stunt at our schools. So I didn't have a whole lot of stunting practice. Um, I did competition cheer for my high school for a couple years, but then also quit that. So I kind of was in a rut with cheerleading throughout my middle school and high school years. But my sister really wanted to try out for Ohio State cheer, and she was really into doing stunting privates and working towards that goal. So I would kind of just tag along with her when she would do those, Mm -hmm. and then eventually found love for the sport again once I started doing more partner stunting. Um, But I didn't do near the preparation that uh, kids do now going into college. I think I did partner stunting like once a month, maybe in preparation, maybe once, maybe I upped it up to to once a week, like right before tryouts, but (laughs) I didn't do that much. And then when I made the Ohio state cheer team, uh, I could do some cool skills because the guys that were stunting with me were really good, but I was super inconsistent. I could barely stand on one leg. I would do like a back handspring up and then I would fall out of my lips because I couldn't (laughs) stand on one leg still. So I luckily made the team because of the guys that I was trying out with made me look good, basically. Um, And then quickly realized once I was on the team that I was very inconsistent. I think a lot of it had to do with having no strength training background. I just felt weak, unstable. I got injured a lot, just had small injuries all the time. And I really think it was once I started doing a consistent practice schedule and then also a consistent lifting schedule with the team where I started to get exponentially better. And it was after my first year of nationals where I really started to take it seriously and started uh, lifting more, stunting more. And this is when Carter Marsh and I decided that we wanted to try out for the USA cheer team together. So he had a big influence and role in my involvement with USA cheer because he was older than me and he knew that he wanted to do that before I knew that that was a goal of mine. So at the end of my first year and then up until January of my second year on the OSU cheer team, we worked really hard on um, perfecting our skills, but also getting just a lot of new skills so that we could even attempt to try out for the USA cheer team. 
I think I had a low to high hand in hand uh, around January of my freshman year. That was like my max skill, a low to high hand in hand with Carter, the best guy on the team. And then by January of the next year, we tried out with a hand ski at USA tryouts. So I improved a lot within that year. Um, and then we eventually found out we made the USA cheer team that year, um, competed with them and won ICU world championship in April of 2018. Um, got to travel internationally to Poland. I was part of the first USA cheer team to travel internationally, which was really cool. Uh, we won a FISU competition in Poland. And then uh, the next year, I had a tryout without Carter, which was a lot harder, um, but eventually made it my second year on USA again, and then won my second ICU World Cheerleading Championship, and then just finished out school with OSU my last year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So why Ohio State? Mm-hmm. And what would you say to get people why they should come to Ohio State to cheer? Mm-hmm. So originally I wanted to go like somewhere warmer when I was in high school. I just wanted to travel, go anywhere but Ohio State. <laughs> but I really like I just felt I just fell in love with the school, I think, and the people that I met through the cheer clinics. Um also I knew that I wanted to go to a school where it was well-rounded. Like cheer wasn't really my life. I barely cheered actually in high school. So I wanted to go somewhere that had good academics, like a good support system, um, and just was overall a good school. And Ohio State had all of that. They have huge support with their cheer teams. They have great strength and conditioning coaches. They have sports psychologists. They have nutritionist dietitians. They have um, SASO, which is someone who helps you with your schoolwork if you need help. Um, they just had like everything you can imagine, um, and they were a great school on top of it. So it was just the right choice. This episode is brought to you by Fraction Social Pro. We're excited to announce the launch of Fraction Social Pro, a first of its kind national social media staffing company. Need social support, but don't want to outsource to any agency? Hire an embedded or remote fractional social media pro that reports directly to you. Looking for top talent to hire direct? Their team knows the social media space and can help you create a job description, recruit, and place full-time social media staff to make your life easier and ensure the very best placement. So Maria, tell us how the community has changed since you joined. So obviously, you're older now, you're out of the game a little bit, but not too far out of the game, but what have you seen changed in the cheerleading community from when you joined to where it's at now? I feel like it's exponentially changing and it's just going to continue to change so much. Like I I already kind of alluded to it, but like high school cheerleaders now are doing so much more to prepare for college cheerleading than I was. And there's even so much more, there's there's even so much more to do. Like we need to get them lifting. We need to get them in the weight room, all that. It's even more than what I was doing two years ago. You need to start going to clinics your freshman year of high school to get your, just your name yeah, yeah it's, it's all recruit like some it's recruiting base now, so you have to get your name out there quicker. So it's yeah. just exponentially. I mean, there's only what probably twenty five girls get to go to the top ten teams in the country, and that's it now. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of spots. Yeah, for everybody trying to get spot on those teams. Exactly. I just think it's getting much more serious. I think there's still 
what I would call a skill gap, like within college teams where you see some teams that have like all the talent and then some teams that are kind of left to dry, I guess. But, and I think a lot of that is due to resources at the college, cheerleading, not being considered a sport at some of the colleges. Like there's a lot of problems still, but I think that it just in general, people are taking the sport more seriously and it's starting to just grow a whole lot more. Yeah. Like you're always going to have those people who say, you know, why is there 20 teams that are national champions, but they don't really understand that it's not just one team. We have divisions. There's a lot right. more that goes into it. it you know, you're not going to have, it's not like football or soccer where you have a lot less teams. There's 10 mm-hmm. times the amount of teams and multiple different divisions that you're competing. So like how you have the MAC, right. SEC. And I was, yeah. I was even thinking about this earlier today. I was talking to one of my clients about the difference between like high, high school cheer, all-star cheer, college cheer. Like they're just UCA, all so different. There's, NCAA, oh yeah. UCA, NCA, like, it's stunt. Yeah. There's so many different. And I'm, I was trying to think of another sport that has as many categories as cheer does. And I couldn't really think of anything. I don't know. I can't like, there's just so many different varieties. No wonder people can't comprehend like what cheerleading is because there's too many, there's so many things. You have your divisions inside the competition. Yeah. Game day, game day program. Exactly. And it's not even just levels. It's like, right. Game day, not game day, stunting, non stunting. Yeah. You you have all these different teams because obviously you're not going to pin a, D3 college against the D1 college. Right. It'd be the same as if Ohio State would have played football against Bowling Green right. or Mount Union. Yeah. It's just, that's not going to happen. And I wonder if it'll continue to get more, like, more divisions, or I wonder if it'll, like, start to lump together where high school starts to look a little bit more like all-star, which starts to look a little bit more like college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that they are like now next year, all-star is going to have, the skills are getting higher. So like rewinds are legal, back handspring ups oh, are good. legal. Mm-hmm. High school now back handspring forks will be legal next year. Mm-hmm. So the skills are getting higher. And obviously all-star, there's a lot more divisions. Like even since I was in there, like mm-hmm. level five was the highest level. And now they have level seven. Yeah. And there was no non-tumbling teams when I did cheer. Now there's all right. the non-tumbling divisions. Mm-hmm. And there's right. D2 Summit or D1 Summit. Yeah. This I can't even keep it straight anymore. Yes. Like, I feel like I'm kind of an expert in this sport. Yeah. But I still, right. like, when I talk to my all-star girls, I'm like, I don't even, it's so different now. Yes. Right. You still like, only, like, I only follow, you know, your top teams, like the yeah. double five teams that I would compete against. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's really it. Like our cousin goes to Top Gun in, where is it? Top Gun in Ohio. And they went to a summit this past weekend, but it wasn't a regular summit. It's like yeah. a different summit. Because summit I, was regular yeah, summit. Was exactly. a different I, yeah, yeah, I didn't even know what that was. I thought that she won regular summit. I was like, wow. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, was like, I don't even know what that summit went. is. <laughs> yeah. I feel like All Stars looking a lot more like college now though and i feel like it's from i don't know probably a bunch of people know who gabby butler is but mm-hmm. she was like an all-star and then when she started to do college all these little yeah. girls i look at her doing college and now they're like oh we want to do college so yeah. i feel like yeah. as all these cheerleberties and all-star were getting older 
just everyone wants to do college now, which I guess is a good thing because I feel like it's becoming way more popular and more people want to do it. Yeah, because we we'll, like we grew up with Gabby Butler. Yeah, she's still young and all star, and now she's I think she's super senior in this year in college. Yeah, I think she's my age. Yeah, around yeah. my age because no. I kind of grew up around the same time. I feel like where exactly. she was like the first famous celebrity. Celebrities are they're almost done. They're I know. Now we have these new people coming in. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting, especially with now um, cheer being part of the Olympics, getting granted access into that. Yeah. What What is that going to look at like? So is, you know, the Team USA you run, is that going to be mm-hmm. the Team USA that now goes to the Olympics? Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be ever-changing here in the next few years, and I think there's going to be a lot of leaps. Like how you said, a lot of teams in the country at the smaller schools don't have the resources because they're not going to say this sport. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to start changing here, you know, quickly as the sport is progressing and more people are doing it and mm-hmm. it's really getting out there. Um, but for all you non-cheerleaders listening, I know a lot of this probably doesn't make sense. Don't worry. <laughs> we will have a podcast for you that goes more in depth on divisions and stuff so you can more understand. But so you have multiple titles, including two ICU world championships. How is the preparation for that compared to like UCA nationals? Yeah. So it's so different. <laughs> I would say it's harder in a sense and easier in a sense. So UCA nationals, you spend all year with your team preparing for basically, because we only have one competition a year. So all year is kind of geared towards getting the skills for that competition versus for ICU and being on USA, you, I don't know if it's still like this actually, but at least when I was on the team, you tried out in January and then you found out if you made the team in January and then everybody went back to their respective colleges and you would send um, training videos to the coaches uh, record you and your partner doing skills, but then you wouldn't meet with the team again until April when you competed. So we literally only had a month to put together the routine and compete it versus UCA. You have a whole year basically to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, how do people like for people who have, like, so you and Carter were partners here, right? Yeah. Were there people who were like a state away that were partners or like people who were farther away? Cause it's hard yeah. because a lot of programs, again, unless you're at one of the top programs, you're, you might have a guy who's really good or you mm-hmm. might have a girl that's really good, but it's very hard to find the smaller schools who have both and you can practice together. Yeah. Right. So are there any people who had yeah. to do that? Definitely. Um, I had to do that my second year. So my first year I tried out with Carter and we had a lot of time to develop as partners. Mm-hmm. So it worked out very easily. Yeah. It's like you guys are right here. Yeah. So it, we kind of had all year to practice together. We didn't get to practice the pyramids and all of that with the team until April, but you have your partner to practice with. So you yeah. can get so much better um, than the people who have their partner, maybe in a different state or they don't even know who their partner is. In 2019, when I made the team, I couldn't, I don't even remember who I tried out with. I, yeah. I went to the tryouts and I don't think I had a plan for who I was going to try out with. So I was you, just going to find somebody so you there. Can try out. So let's say just the guy wants to go try out. You don't have to have a girl to try out. Like, will they, will you just, um, will they just put you with another girl that's there? Trying so out it's a little, or? for all girl, they're a little more strict. They only take stock groups. Quads. Yes. Yeah. We actually had Bowling Green had a team USA quad 
back, what was it, 2019? Oh, yeah, I feel like I was, I feel like I remember that because yeah, I was, would have been on the team during that. The yeah. Team for all girls. Yeah. And that was just, they had one quad. So, yeah. It would be a lot harder to have, if you had like, you know, four girls from all different exactly. schools. Exactly. That would be almost impossible. Exactly. So, it, it is easier when you have a partner. I feel like when you get to April and you get to the um, putting the routine together, often the people that have a partner from their school end up being on mat together because it just makes sense. They had more practice together. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to necessarily have a partner when you try out. You obviously have to try out with partner stunts, but you could try out with like multiple different people for... Um, different parts of the tryout. Mm -hmm. And then when I, uh, in 2019, when I sent in my, we would do like weekly challenges. We would record ourselves doing a stunt and send it into the group message for USA cheer. I would just try to find somebody that week. So I stunted with our coach, Ben Schreiber, a lot for those. I stunted with Benji. I traveled to Cleveland. Yep. Um, one time to stunt with Benji for that. There yes, are a few. Remember the name Benji. <laughs> you will hear him soon. He was awesome. I wish he was lived closer. I mean, Cleveland was only a couple hour drive for me, but doing that every week as a student athlete, that was, I only went there once, I think, to do a challenge with him, but he was a great resource. Um, and then there are some other guys on the team that could do some of the challenges that I needed to send in videos for, but I was constantly just doing things with different people, which gives you more variety, but it doesn't give you the, um, the connection, connection that, you that you really need. Yeah. Which obviously like, pyramid and stuff you're at such that high level that you shouldn't need to be able to you don't need to practice the pyramid right. for months it should just hit after the first couple of tries yeah. you always all know what you're doing and i think that's like why i say that um usa practice and icu world preparation was almost easier in a way because i just remember being shocked like my first year when i got there how quickly things came together everybody's, it's like best, you're, you're just cheering with the best of the best yeah, like it's a, literally an unreal feeling like being with the best athletes in the world like everybody there is the best at what they do yeah. like i've just never been in a room like that before mm -hmm. right. so and like the people on osu are amazing and like we've been top three at nationals for the past few years but we spent so much time putting those routines together and like so much struggle and USA is a struggle too. Like, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of practices where I'd be beat up and you know, it'd be tough, but things just came together together so quickly. Yes. Like people just falling wasn't an option. Like if your stuff like fell, you would just somehow levitate back up there. Like someone, someone would find you and pick you back up and put you in the stuff. <laughs> like it just, everything seemed to work out. Mm -hmm. So is there like a team one USA and then like a team two USA or is it just one team or like what if somebody gets hurt? Are there alternates? Yeah. How does that so work? So there's one team USA, at least I'm speaking from my experience. I don't, I don't know, know if it's Maddie, different. Do you know anything about Kayla Braden or maybe we'll have to have Michaela or Braden Yeah, I just know they tried out and then went and competed for Chile, and then they had to try it again to go compete at ICU in Florida. Yeah. But they weren't. They didn't make that one. Yeah. So they competed at the one, but not the other. So when I when I tried out in 2018, everybody, you just find out whether you made the team or you didn't make the team, and then you go to the practice weekend in April, and you spend a couple of days trying some skills, and then after like a couple of days up to a week, maybe they decide who's going to be on that and who's going to be an alternate. So it's still the same team and like 
honestly, like the alternates and people on mat switch out kind of a lot because it's only a month. So they're constantly trying new combinations, yeah. but you want to find like the, the team quickly so that you can build the connections with the team. Yeah. Is there but anything like, let's say everybody's so good. So like partners are hanging for some reason. Yeah. They swap out an alternate and put them in there and see if they work better. Yes. Or- yeah, absolutely. And actually, so in 2018, I competed on mat with Carter as my partner. Um, made it through being on mat that whole year. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, I was actually on mat up until like a couple of days before we competed because my pyramid wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. So I, um, and I only knew how to be a top girl. I didn't know how to mid layer and they really needed a mid layer in my spot. And so I got switched out with one of my best friends on the team actually. Um, so she took my spot and ended up doing the mid layer position for, a different girl who is topping the pyramid that I was originally in. So they're constantly changing things. Um, and it was hard to be taken off the mat in such like a short instance when I practiced the whole month to lead up to that moment. But everybody on the team is so good. And when something's just not clicking in that moment, you only have a week to make a change. Like you have to make quick decisions like that. And you can't really be upset about it because yeah, you're on a team with the best people in the world. So are the coaches still the same? Who are the coaches? Um, Leroy is, I believe, the, still the main coach. Um, and then Christy, I don't know if we should, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she got that part, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, maybe look, let me look it up real quick. Uh, Cut this part out from the coaches' names, please. Leroy, Christy, and... No. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, maybe I'll I have no idea. Where were we? Um, I can ask something. Okay, restart. Three, two, one. So being on Team USA, was there a big culture difference between like Ohio State and Team USA? Like, was there? a difference compared to how the team worked together? I would say yes. I feel like I also saw a huge culture change on my time at OSU. So my first year on OSU, uh, we got ninth at nationals. Not terrible, but it wasn't great either. Um, I felt like the team like didn't really take it as seriously. I and mean, this kind of goes with the culture of cheerleading as a whole. Like People are just taking cheerleading as a whole more seriously. And I feel like I really saw a big culture shift through, from my first to my second year in OSU, just people starting to take yeah. the sport more seriously. Well, now, you know, scholarships are getting bigger, more schools. Yeah, exactly. You're getting more, more competition. Yeah. Like you're, you're getting all these things, you know, you're yeah. actual athletes now to the school. It's not just like a club sport. Right. You're an actual athlete, so the school expects a certain amount from you yeah so i do think like the culture at osu has changed a lot um during my time there and it's a lot more like we just there's a really great connection between everybody on the team at least when i was there there was um like a little bit more of a seriousness to it like people are there to want to do well Mm -hmm. um yeah you know, want to win. I mean, we're, we're up for to win a national championship any year now. So it's super exciting. Like I saw a huge culture, culture shift within OSU. Um, but 
the thing that I noticed at USA was just, I guess, just the confidence. Like, they just had this confidence like no other team. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, where you trusted everybody. Yeah, like, like you just, this person hit their stunt? like, you just, yeah, you just trusted everybody. And if, if they weren't going to hit their stunt, you knew that they were still going to make it look good somehow. Like, yeah. you, there just was no worry. And it's not that I was, I didn't think I was going to fall. Like, you know, I, that's always a possibility. But I knew that if I was going to fall, somebody was going to throw me back in the air and make it look good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of the best ways to see like how, not how good you are at cheer, but how long you've been doing it is when something goes really wrong, how do you react? Yeah. Exactly. Can you fix that mistake in a split second and make it look like there was no mistake? Right. It's an experience thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I want to hear more about everyone she lived. Okay. Tell what do you want to know? It. Okay. <laughs> we, talk, um, we, we mentioned it earlier. Yeah. A bit just the business. But yeah. I want to know exactly what you're doing. Where, where are you going with it? How do you want it to end up? Okay. Because obviously it's still pretty new. Right. Right. So what, what is your goal, goal for it? Right. So right now, my main focus is transitioning from just offering personal training services to also offering the physical therapy services. So that's a huge transition in and of itself. But I also am highly focused on cheerleaders right now because there's just a huge need for younger cheerleaders to learn how to lift weights and to utilize uh, that aspect to improve in their sport. Every other sport lifts weights like two times a week in high school. Versus like cheerleaders, like literally nobody that lifts weights. So they're just behind the game. Co-ed teams. Yeah. I'm assuming that they do. Some of your higher level teams. Yeah. High school nationals. Mm -hmm. But like some states can't even stunt like Ohio. Exactly. A lot of the schools around me don't do any sort of lifting or. And then a lot of them are starting to stunt now. And they're starting to realize how important, I mean, lifting is really important for cheer in general. I think even um, as sideline cheerleaders, it makes your motion sharper, reduces just your injury risk in general. But like when you start adding stunting to the picture, there's all these teams that are trying to lift humans above their head before they've lifted weights above their head. So like, that's just that's a huge, so a huge goal of mine um, outside of the physical, th- the transition of physical therapy side of things is just to get more cheerleaders lifting um, to improve in their sport, to reduce their injury risk, but also just to give them like an outlet for something when they stop doing their sport, because a lot of cheerleaders can't continue to flip their bodies around once they graduate. There's rec soccer leagues, there's rec tennis leagues, but there's really no like rec cheerleading leagues when you're older. So I feel like it's like a open team. Yeah. But like, you can't, your body can't do that forever. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people don't want to do it forever. For a while, but tumbling. Yeah. I found it harder to tumble now <laughs> since high school. Oh my gosh. Already. Yeah. I, my body hurts when I try to tumble now, <laughs> but it just gives them an outlet to, to reduce their burnout and then to give them something to do when they're done with their sport. So where can people go to find you? They can go to, I have a website, everyone should lift or my Instagram. My Instagram is everyone dash uh wait yeah everyone dash should dash no it's everyone underscore should underscore lift because just plain everyone should lift was taken so i don't know who that was <laughs> um are you and, based in columbus only do you travel so my clinic 
is I rent space out of a personal training gym in Westerville. So that's where I do all my in-person stuff. But I do some online programming for people that live out of state. And one of my other main goals when I first started the Everyone Should Lift business was to get into the college space. Because if you think it's bad enough that high school cheerleaders aren't lifting, there's tons of college teams that have no strength and conditioning guidance because of the lack of resources that we've talked about. So I've started to work with the University of Toledo, um, programming them stuff digitally to do um, for strength and conditioning. And they just follow it on their own, but I program it for them and give them videos so to do with they it. Like, so like, obviously for our list, we put in our weights that we did every week. Yeah. And then Coach Brian will go and look at it and figure out what weights we should do the next week. Is that something you do or? Yes, I do something similar. I keep it a little bit more simple. I do an RPE scale, rate of okay. perceived exertion. Yeah. So zero to 10, 10 being the hardest thing you've ever done, zero being you're not trying at all. And I try to get them to match, um, a certain RPE and then I have them write down what weight they did in their actual column. And then they try to increase their weight each week, basically. Nice. Yeah. We yeah. do that. Still, we write down everything that we did. Like I still have my weights from freshman year. Oh yeah. And they're so like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to see the progress yeah. though. Like you need that to see the progress. And that's right. something that a lot of people just kind of skip by that part. I found like online clients will kind of be like, eh, I don't want to put any anything that I did into my sheet, but it's, important. it's so important. Cause you go and you look back at it. It's important for me to know what you did. And it's important for you to know if you're improving. If you're Cause improving, yeah. And wrong. you know, you, if you don't write it down, you don't really know if you're improving. Cause who remembers what they did a year ago? Yeah. I like, had no idea until I looked back on it. I thought yeah. I was doing the same thing. Exactly. So. Like you don't feel like you're getting better until you go back and look at it. Right. But with, that being said, with working with the University of Toledo, my main goal is to write programming that colleges across the country can use so that no college has to go without strength and conditioning services. Mm-hmm. So that's great. To yeah, finish off that. our interview, if you were to give any advice to a high school athlete, what would you tell them and what would you want them to know before coming into the community that you didn't? Ooh, maybe it seems cliche, but we've talked a lot about having confidence, like the confidence that people have on the USA team. And a lot of that comes with experience, but a lot of it comes from just faking it until you make it. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that saying before, but it's so true. And nowadays you look on social media and you see everybody doing these wild and crazy things and getting Mm -hmm. tons of views on their reels of them doing sunset games or in competition but that's just the 1%. You're seeing the top 1% of athletes. You're seeing the top 1% of what they can do because they're posting their best skills. So just try to remember like when you're consuming content online that what you see is not necessarily reality and have a little bit more confidence in yourself. Um, I think another important thing to be aware of is that you have to be bad at something before you can be good at it. So if you're trying something new, and you feel lack of confidence and you feel like you want to stop, just remember that that's part of the process. You literally have to be bad at it before you can be good at it and just keep going. Fake it till you make it and have that confidence. Um, another thing that helped me that somebody told me once was fail fast. So the faster you fail at things, the quicker you learn from them, the quicker you learn from them, the more exponentially you can grow your skills. So have confidence, fail fast, 
um, just put yourself out there, I guess. Well, so yeah, true. That was great. So true. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Your support fuels the next generation of aspiring collegiate cheerleaders and continues to help us be the college cheer guides. We also want to give a big shout out to this week's sponsor, Sean Christie at Sean Christie Social Media for helping make this podcast possible. Stay tuned for our next episode. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and ask us about topics or questions that you want to hear. To stay up to date with the College Cheer Guides podcast and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on our social media or check out our website at thecollegecheerguides.com.